Hey guys, welcome to Church Unlimited. We're so glad you guys are a part of our services today. I'm very excited about today's message. In fact, there was so much content that I had to divide this up into three messages actually. So we're talking today on three phases of discipleship. And today I'm gonna to talk about the first phase of discipleship, but this is gonna be kind of cool. We're gonna look at the story of Israel being freed from Egypt because really Israel represents all of us. And so you and I are Israel. We are Christians and Christ followers in the same way Israel were the people that God chose to show his revelation, what his will was for our lives through these people. And so there are three phases they go through. They go from slavery to the wilderness, to the promised land. And you and I go from slavery to the wilderness, to the promised land as well. So today I wanna to talk about how do we get free from our slavery, which is our sin? Now I know slavery is a strong word, but that's exactly what they were. They were a slave to Pharaoh, just like we can become a slave to our sin. So I just wanna unpack this today. Very excited about today's message. Let's start with our mission statement. First of all, what are we here to do as a church? We're here to take as many people to heaven as we can before we die period. That's what we're all about here at Church Unlimited. So let's just begin today looking in Exodus uh, chapter 9. I want to show you a couple key verses here. First of all, Exodus chapter 9 verse 5 says this, the Lord has already set the time for the plague to begin. He has declared that he will strike the land tomorrow. So when God sent Moses to Egypt to go to Pharaoh, who was actually the slave owner of all the Israelites, he had enslaved them, and he actually built his nation on the backs of slaves. And so God sent Moses to set them free. You will see that all Old Testament stories are actually a picture or a prophecy of the New Testament story of Christ who gave his life for you and I. So Moses clearly plays the role of Christ here and Israel, the, the people of Israel are, are you and me. And so we are enslaved to our sin and need Christ to come set us free from our slavery. So, but I wanna point something out. When God did the work of freeing the slaves, of freeing the Israelites, he did it through a plague. So I thought, hmm, what is a plague? Let's look at the definition of what a plague is. This is what the, this is what the dictionary says a plague is. A plague is a contagious bacterial disease characterized by fever and delirium. It's also a contagious disease that spreads rapidly and kills many people or a widespread disease that is deadly. That sounds like a virus. So basically here in the Bible, God uses a virus, a plague to set people Free. Now you may say, hold on, pastor. Are you saying that God is causing the coronavirus? Not at all. What I'm saying is that God never wastes a pain or a difficulty in our lives. When the Lord allowed free will into this world, because we are not robots, we're not required, we're not, we're not forced into following or loving God, we have a choice. He knew we could choose to obey him or choose to sin. Of course, Adam started us all off choosing to sin. And so that brought sin into the world, that brought destruction into the world, and that even brought bacteria and virus into the world. So God did not cause it, sin caused all that, but God even works in the middle of a virus, a plague, an economic crisis. Oftentimes God does his greatest work through those difficult moments. And I think we've got to remember that. I mean, if there's ever something that should be happening right now, it should be that God is getting the whole world's attention right now. When we've had to shut down economies, whole nations over this, we should all stop and say, God, are you trying to tell me something? Are you trying to speak to me? Because I want to be attentive to you, Lord. What do you have to tell me? And I can tell you one thing with great accuracy from God's word. He wants you and I to be free from our slavery to sin. 
He wants us to be free from that. So how do we do that? How do we get free from our slavery to sin? Well, let's look at the scripture. We're just gonna go through Exodus. I, I, I read all the way through Exodus. I don't have time to, to go through all the scripture, the whole story with you. But just know this, Moses goes to Pharaoh, says, I want, God told me to tell you to set my people free, to set the Israelites free. Pharaoh is stubborn. He doesn't wanna do that. And so what happens? Check it out. Exodus chapter seven, verse four. Pharaoh will refuse to listen to you. This is God speaking to Moses. So I will bring down my fist on Egypt. Then I will rescue my forces, my people, the Israelites from the land of Egypt with great acts of judgment. That's what the plagues were about. Now he says here, I will rescue my people, but then he says, I'll rescue my forces. He calls you and I his, his forces. I find it interesting. So why was Pharaoh so stubborn, not wanting to let the Israelites go? I can tell you why. Because the people of Israel were actually Pharaoh's labor force. The reason Egypt was built, the reason Egypt was so wealthy, it was built on the backs of slavery. That's how he built the nation of Egypt. And so because of this, he didn't want to set the people free. Now this may surprise you, but he calls us a force. You are a force. Now, obviously if someone says, hey man, you're a force. They're saying that as a compliment, like, man, you are a force for good things. You're a force at, at what you do. They would mean that as a compliment. But whether you're doing good or bad, you need to know something. You are someone's labor force. Understand that. And so when you are a slave to sin, you are a labor for the enemy. You are a labor for the world. You are actually working for not God, but someone else. I don't know if you realize that or not. You are someone's labor force. I know that, that may seem surprising, but I hope this really digs in at you. I'm, I'm not going to lie. I hope this kind of ticks you off. Think about that sin that you struggle with, whatever it is. I promise you, someone is getting rich off your sin. Someone is building their dreams off of your enslavement. Let me just give you a couple examples that I thought about. For example, when you vape or when you smoke, you're building another man's wealth at the cost of your health and your money. How about this one? Maybe you like to smoke marijuana or some kind of other illegal drug. Do you realize that you are enriching your drug dealer and you're also, don't complain about the cartel, you're enriching them. You're making them powerful. You are literally their labor force. And I know many of you say, oh, I'm not into that, Pastor. There's no way I would do that. Well, maybe that's not you, maybe it is. How about this one? Maybe you're really into junk food. You don't think that that was thought through? You don't think that someone actually put addictive properties in those snacks to keep you coming back again and again and again? They have no problem at the cost of your health enriching themselves. And so believe me, your sin is enriching someone. How about this? When you look at porn, do you realize that, that someone is benefiting? I know you're thinking, oh, I know who's benefiting. It's those porn actresses and actors. It's the directors. Actually, they're pretty much broke. A few of them are doing well financially, but it's destroying their lives, destroying their families, destroying their relationships, destroying who they are as a people. That's why most of them are on drugs. They say up to 90% of people that are into that are on drugs. But you know who you're actually enriching? You're enriching some tech guy that with impunity that you don't even realize it, he's making the bulk of the money. I promise you there are major media corporations that are making millions and even billions of dollars off of your addiction. And trust me when I say this, they have no problem at the cost of your marriage, at the cost of your happiness, getting wealthy off it. No problem at all. They'll gladly destroy your marriage to make them rich. Don't think for a second that every time you click, you're not putting money in someone's pocket. And so they're functioning off of your dysfunction. How about this? You say, well, okay, pastor, I'm not into drugs or porn, all that crazy. I'm not into that stuff. I mean, come on, I'm just your regular guy who's you know on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. I mean, come on, that's all I'm into. 
Well, think about that. How many hours do you give to that? I mean, do you, just, do you really just put 20 minutes a day in or are you like most Americans now and you put hours upon hours into that? You need to realize something. You're not the customer to Facebook. You're not the customer to Twitter or to Instagram. You're the product. They're selling you every time you click. They're selling your fat, the fact that you are hooked to that screen. They're selling advertising dollars and that's why they've created it for you to scroll. You notice you can never stop scrolling. It's interesting, you never get to the bottom. It's like they're trying just to keep you there because if they can just keep you hooked, they're telling you, yeah, their mission statement is, oh, we're trying to connect the world. No, they're not. They're trying to keep you looking constantly because guess what? While you're constantly looking and giving up your time and therefore your life, someone else is building a mansion off of your time. And guess whose mansion is not getting built? Yours. We're giving our lives to things that don't matter. Now, I'm not trying to say that it's all sinful to have a Facebook. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that what is sin? We talked about this last week. It's wasted potential. We're giving our lives to things that don't matter. Maybe for you, it's video games. Maybe you're just hooked and you're always on Fortnite. You're always on your Xbox. You're always on your PlayStation. And you may think, oh, this is innocent. It's no big deal. What was innocent when you played for an hour? Not so innocent when you play for five hours. I mean, you're giving your life over to this and someone is getting wealthy on getting you hooked to those video games. Again, you may think, oh, come on, this is an innocent thing, right? How about this? Maybe for you, it's just shopping and you just, you find yourself sitting home, going to Amazon, going to walmart.com, going to whatever website and just buying stuff left and right. Guess what? Credit cards are actually, they're functioning off of your dysfunction. There are bankers. You think those interest rates are, are an accident? No, they thought through that. That really complicated math formula on the back of your credit card statement, that's so complicated to make sure that they lean all of the math on their favor to where they maximize the money they pull off of you because they're functioning on your dysfunction. You may say, man, pastor, this is pretty strong. Well, I mean, this is a little over the top, isn't it? No, the point is, is that once you realize that you are someone else's labor, it makes you rethink things. Listen, quit building everyone else's wealth and build your own. Quit giving your life up to build someone else's life and build your life, build your dreams. It's time to recognize that you and I are a force for something. Either we're a force for the devil or we're a force for God. We're either a force for someone else or we're a force for our own potential. Whose life are you building and whose life are you giving away right now? I wanna challenge you with this at the core of who you are. I love the way, the way Kanye West put it. He said this in his song, Hands On. He said this, told the devil when I see him on sight, I've been working for him my whole life. Told the devil that I'm gonna go on strike, I've been working for him my whole life. He recognized that all he's been doing is working, not for his own thing, but for the devil. And let me just ask you something. Are you hooked on any of the things I just mentioned or something I didn't mention? Are you building someone else's life and ignoring your future, ignoring your family, ignoring time you could be putting into what God has called you to do? Isn't it time to take back control of your life? Don't give up the influence and the power that God put in you to do great things. Be a force for good, be a force for making a difference. Exodus chapter eight says this in verse one and two. Then the Lord said to Moses, go back to Pharaoh and announce to him, this is what the Lord says, let my people go so they can worship me. So it wasn't just that we're supposed to walk away from sin, but we're supposed to become worshipers of God. Then he says this, if you refuse to let them go, I will send a plague of frogs across your entire land. And of course we know 
God did do that. Then you say, well, man, that's gross. I wouldn't want frogs jumping all over me. Neither would I. But there's more to it. It's not just about frogs. But did you know that there was a God, a false God that they worshiped in Egypt? It was called Hecate, the frog-headed goddess of birth. And they thought that this frog-headed goddess came from the Nile River. So guess where all the frogs came out of? The Nile River. What was God saying? He was saying, you are trusting in things that aren't real. You are trusting in gods that actually aren't gods at all. They're made up. They're not the real God. I am the one true God. So would you write this down? And I hope this eats at you. I hope this ticks you off a little bit because the real price of sin is not just the immorality. It's not just the shame and the guilt we have. It's the time we are wasting that we could be using to do something great for God and even for our own families. And so would you write this down? Number one, you are someone's labor force. It's about time that you become God's labor force and your own labor force to make an impact, to make a difference. Quit building other people's dreams, start building your own dreams. God has big things for you to do with your life. Now, there is a guy that was involved in this whole thing and his name was Pharaoh. Pharaoh was the king of Egypt. He loved having slaves. He, he became a very wealthy man because of all that. And guess what? God said, you know what? Pharaoh has a hard heart. Now, if you read the scripture, actually God says, it says that God hardened his heart. Now, before you think, oh, see, he had no choice. I mean, God just hardened his heart. No, no, no. It says in scripture, God said to Moses, Pharaoh is already stubborn. He already has a hard heart. I'm just gonna harden it further. What does that mean? Does that mean God takes control of us? No, it means that our sin, we get to a point in our sin to where it gets so strong in our lives that God will let the full course of our sin play out. So what he was saying was, Pharaoh, you want to be stubborn? I'll show you what your stubbornness will fully give you. It'll give you a destroyed life, a destroyed economy, a destroyed family. Sin, the Bible says, leads to death. At first, sin seems fun. It's like getting on a roller coaster. You're like, this is so much fun. It's great. But then the second time you go around, you're like, oh, I, oh, this is great. You get to go twice. And then the third time, oh, this is great, man. I'm just having fun now. It's like you're binging on the roller coaster. But then you start to say, I I'm feeling sick. Can someone stop this? I, I want to get off this ride. This is miserable. Eventually, you're screaming at the top of your lungs, please, someone stop this. This is no longer fun. It's killing me. Exactly. What seems fun, if you let it go on too long, can destroy you. In the same way, Pharaoh, God was saying, okay, you wanna be stubborn? You wanna make it all about you, Pharaoh? All about these false gods? I'll show you what these false gods are. And he brought plague after plague after plague to Pharaoh to say, this is what your stubborn heart will give you. So if you don't stop sinning, you just need to know this. God's like, hey, you keep looking at other people's wives, other people's husbands, you think, oh, that looks so fun. God says, I'll show you what adultery really looks like. You really want to see the full-blown thing? You want to see what it looks like when you have to look at your kids and tell them? You want to see what it looks like to destroy your economics, to destroy your emotions, to destroy... God said, I'll let you look at... I'll show you what it looks like. You, you want to see what, what, what food consumption with no stops looks like? If you're just going to be completely gluttonous and say, I'm just going to eat whatever I want. You want to see what it looks like to take 25 years off your life? I was like, I mean, we can show you what it looks like. But God is warning us saying, please don't be stubborn and whatever your sin of choice is, because if you see the full result of it, you won't want it. You will not want it. Look at the scripture. It says this, the Lord said to Moses, Pharaoh's heart is stubborn. He refuses to let the people go. Now look at Exodus chapter eight. This verse blows my mind because this just seems stupid. This is a brilliant guy. Pharaoh's brilliant. He built Egypt. Now he was immoral, but he was brilliant. And you know what I've learned about brilliant people? They can be really smart in one area and really stupid somewhere else. In other words, you can be brilliant and still lack wisdom. And so look what Pharaoh says here. It's unbelievable. He is covered in frogs. 
He's in complete misery in the middle of these plagues. Moses warned him, if you don't honor God, if you don't let my people go, God's gonna strike you with plagues. And he is so stubborn, he's like, fine, who is your God anyways? And boom, plague after plague after plague starts to hit him. He's in total misery. I mean, his, his whole nation is in carnage from this. And look what Moses says, this is unbelievable. Pharaoh says this, plead with the Lord to take the frogs away. I will let your people go. So then what does Moses say? He says, tell me when, then you will be rid of the frogs. And then what does Pharaoh say? This is shocking. He says, oh, when, um, do it tomorrow. Uh, what? Are, are you enjoying the frogs, Pharaoh? We look at that and we think, what an idiot. Why would you say do it tomorrow? But don't we do the same thing? Oh God, free me of this addiction and I'll quit tomorrow. Oh God, free me of this lustful pattern and I'll, I'll give that up tomorrow. Oh God, I'll start my diet when? Uh, tomorrow. Oh God, I'll start my regimen of prayer uh, tomorrow. Oh Lord, I'll start to take care of my physical health tomorrow. Isn't it funny how we're always putting off what God's telling us to do? And we think, but I'm putting it off because of all the discipline involved. No, no, no. What you don't realize, you're not putting off the discipline. You're actually putting off the freedom you could have. See, we think we're putting off the discipline, but we're actually putting off the freedom that God wants to give us. Let me ask you something. Could it be that God has freed you from sin, but you keep acting like a slave, even though you're free from it? Could it be that you're like, man, the Lord saved me and changed me. Let me ask you a couple things real quick. Let me just, just, just get up in your grill for a second here. Let me ask you, the music you used to listen to, you listen to the same music? I mean, so, so your music hasn't changed, but your values have? How's that working for your values? Could it be that, that we're listening to the same music before or, or maybe that we're watching the same type of television? We're, we're using the same media standards before we were in Christians. And so there's really no difference between us and the non-Christian, but, but we say we're free, yet we're living with the values of bondage. You see, music is what you make for a soundtrack, right? And so they take certain music and they build soundtracks. In fact, if you watch a scary movie, they build up the music when there's about to be something scary, right? If there's a, a delicate moment in a romance movie, they, they have a song that matches that, right? And so if they're trying to get you to feel good, they give you feel good music. And so the soundtrack matches where the movie's going. Let me just ask you something, the last three songs you listen to, do they match where you wanna go? Or do they match where you've been? Because whatever those last three songs are actually will determine where your movie goes. So just, just ask yourself that question. I'm not trying to turn you into some Amish person that runs from the whole world and never does anything. I'm, I'm not suggesting that. What I'm saying is that you may not realize the price you're paying because you're still surrounded by slave values rather than being set apart, being separated from those things. More on that next week, by the way, when we talk about phase two that we all go through as a disciple, which is called the wilderness. You may think, ugh, I feel like I'm in the wilderness now. Join us next week as we talk about that because there are advantages to the wilderness and you gotta go through it to get to phase three, the promised land, which is where we all wanna go. So more on that next week, do not miss that. Let me keep going here. I wanna just touch base on this. So number, number two is this, a hardened heart is always a do it tomorrow heart. We're always saying, oh, I'll start tomorrow. I'll start spending time with God tomorrow. I'll start forgiving the person that I really enjoy being resentful towards, that I really just like harboring that anger towards. I'll forgive them tomorrow. I'll obey my parents tomorrow. I'll get things right with my boss tomorrow. I'll start being the person you call me to be tomorrow, God. Quit putting it off. Quit putting off your future. 
Let's move forward in, in the Exodus story. Exodus chapter 12 says this. On that night, I will pass through the land of Egypt and strike down every firstborn son of the firstborn male animal in the land of Egypt. I will execute judgment against all the gods of Egypt. Now, God just gave away why there were 10 plagues right there because there were 10 of them. By the way, let me just tell you what they are real quick, just in case you don't know. There was a plague of blood. He turned the Nile to blood. Uh, the, the, the plague of frogs. There was lice or gnats, by the way. The reason why there was lice or gnats is because there was a God that they worshiped that was the God of the ground. They thought crops came from the God of the ground. And so God's like, oh, you think that you're gonna follow that false God? How about the ground instead produces gnats and destroys all the, the crop? So God did that. Um, also, there was a plague of flies, livestock, boils, hail from the sky. Why was the hail from the sky? Because they actually had a God of the sky they worshiped. They, shot, they thought when the sun's out or when it rains on our crops, that's a God of, of the sky giving us that instead of the one true God. So he's like, hey, I'll show you what the sky can actually do. It can destroy everything that you think you've built or that this supposed God has built. And then there was a, there was a plague of locusts and a plague of darkness. And of course, the death of the firstborn. The plague of darkness, by the way, that was one of the, one of the biggest hits against Pharaoh. And the reason why is because Pharaoh thought he was the sun and the light. And so they would say, he would say, I am the sun, I am the morning star. When, when the sun rises, that's me rising. And so he thought he was a God. He thought he was one with the God of Ra, which was the sun God that they worshiped in Egypt. And so when it's pitch black, I wonder if Moses went over to Pharaoh's house and was like, hey, how's that God of sun working out for you? I mean, you thought you'd count on that, right? So how's that working out for you? I mean, I thought you were all the man, but, but now you're not. You see, sometimes God wants to eat away at whatever false God that we have in our life. There were 10 plagues. You may say, oh, that must have been going against the 10 false gods in Egypt. Actually, there was over 2000 false deities they worshiped in Egypt, but they were all categorized in 10 categories. So God was saying, I don't care what your false God is, it's false, it's not real. There's only one true God. Now you may think that's ridiculous, Pastor. I would never have some kind of false God in my life. You sure about that? Some of us have our false God on our phone. Some of us, our false God is the phone. Or maybe the image you've created to the world of who you think you wanna be, the image you wanna sell people about how great you are versus the fact that we're all flawed and we present ourselves as a God. Like we're so good and we're so awesome and we're so smart and so good looking and, and, and so rich and we wanna present ourselves a certain way. It's become a God. What's your God? Maybe you like to wash your God every Saturday in your driveway. Maybe the amount of money you make is a, a God for you. Maybe a person you say, oh, I could never live without them. Sure about that. They're a person, not a God. They may be a great guy or a great girl, but they're a lousy Jesus. So what is it that you've made your God? See, I have to even tell you as a pastor, you know, I love what I do. I love this church. But this church is to worship the God. This church is not my God. And so as much as I love to see the church grow and reach more people, I can't make it about me. I got to make it about, about him and his glory. What is it that you've made your God? Maybe it's your body. You want to perfect your body to show just how strong you can look. Have you made that your God? What is it? We all have some false gods. Now there were 10 plagues. Another way of saying 10 would be complete. And so that, that means maybe we're being completely plagued by something. What's completely plaguing you? Maybe it's depression. Maybe it's an addiction. What's completely plaguing you? Maybe there's anger that's consuming your whole life because you're so angry what someone did to you or didn't do for you. 
And so what's plaguing you? Now there's 10 plagues, by the way, this also matches the fact that God brought 10 commandments, which is the total opposite. So you've got 10 plagues, 10 ways to completely destroy your life. And then you've got the 10, the perfect, complete moral law of God that he wants us to follow. More on that next week when we talk about the wilderness, because it was in the wilderness that God gave them those 10 commandments. And so we'll talk more about that next week. But I wanna show you something that's really unique also found in the scripture here in Exodus chapter 12, verse 40. It says something very interesting. It says this, the people of Israel had lived in Egypt for 430 years. In fact, it was on the last day of the 430th year that all of the Lord's forces left the land. So they got free exactly 430 years after their captivity had begun. You say, okay, what, what's the big deal? I don't, I don't see the big deal. Did you know, by the way, that there is a time period between, it's called the intertestamental period. This means the time between the last prophet in the Old Testament to the first prophet in the New Testament, which would be John the baptizer, by the way, there was exactly 400 years between them. And so the New Testament starts, of course, with what? With the birth of Christ. But Christ doesn't begin his ministry. So that's 400 years later, Christ comes, but Christ doesn't begin his ministry until he's how old? 30 years old. That's 400 plus 30. And according to scripture, it was exactly 430 years from their captivity to their freedom. Don't tell me God's not specific. Don't tell me, you say, well, I don't know when God's gonna let this coronavirus go away. I don't know either, but I can tell you this, it's specific. God has a purpose for when he releases you to work again. God has a purpose and a timing. And so look at your clock and say, why God, am I still stuck in this house? Why? God has a plan for every day of your life. And so are you stopping? See, we say half of the world wants to fight and say, we need to stay locked up for this virus. And how dare people want to release and start the economy up? And then people that are into the economy say, how dare you let this virus stop us from working? And so they want to fight over that. But I hate to break it to you. That's not the battle. The battle is both fronts need to say, hit their knee and say, God, we need you. We are mired in our sin and selfishness, God. We need your freedom. The answer is not a health answer. The answer is not an economic answer. The answer is the Lord. His timing is perfect. He's got you right where he wants you so he can speak to you right now. What's God saying to you? What is he asking you to give up? What is he asking you to walk away from, to walk out of Egypt, which is the place of your slavery? What does he want you to walk from? Number three, God will destroy your false gods. And I want to show you something. Our last point of the day, Exodus chapter 12 says, celebrate this festival of unleavened bread for it will remind you that I brought your forces out of the land of Egypt on this very day. So the day, this is after, of course, the Lord strikes with a plague. Basically he says, I want you to go, everyone of the Israelites go kill a lamb, take the blood of the lamb, put it on your doorposts, right? And so that way, when the spirit of death comes, it'll see the, the blood over your doorposts and it will do what? Pass over you right? And anyone that does not have the blood on their doorpost, then the spirit of death will go in and kill the firstborn. Seems like someone else's firstborn was killed. It was God's. God gave his firstborn for you and me. And the blood that we put over our doorpost, the blood we put over our lives, instead of the wrath of God that we deserve, the blood of Christ covers us and he passes over us and saves us. This is a picture of Christ and salvation. So they say, hey, we want you to remember this. You need to celebrate what's called the, the festival of unleavened bread. What's unleavened bread? Unleavened bread is bread without yeast. It's basically dough. You can actually eat that dough. It's very sweet. 
but it doesn't taste nearly as good, obviously, as homemade cooked bread. If you ever had homemade bread, oh, it's so good. I love homemade bread, right? But guess what? It takes a while for it to rise. So why would they celebrate bread that's not had time to rise? Because God is saying, when I save you, grab the bread, don't even cook it and pack it up and get out of town. When Christ saves you, you need to get away from your sin as fast as you can. Because just because Christ saves you doesn't mean you don't have a habit attached to it. God can save your soul, but you've got to walk away from your habits. And so we got to get out of town as fast as we can, get away from those things that have dragged us down, get away from those places of sin as well. Then it says in Exodus chapter 13, and in the future, your children will ask you, what does all this mean? Then you will tell them, with the power of his mighty hand, the Lord brought us out of Egypt, the place of our slavery. Does your slavery have a place? Is there a place you go where your sin happens? A club, a nightclub, a bar? Maybe you go to a certain friend's house who has a certain stash that you don't have in your home, but they have it. It's the place of your slavery. Maybe you know when you get that phone call late at night to go to someone's house, you, you know what's, what's going down. It's the place of your slavery. Maybe for you, it's a place in your home that when no one's awake, you go and you have a place where you have slavery. Maybe for you, it's a place you go on the inside in your mind in anger. And that anger is controlling you. It's enslaved you. You're so angry with someone. You harbor that resentment, that bitterness. You hold on to it. It's a place you go emotionally and it's enslaved you. It's time to grab the bread uncooked, get out of there. Because when God gives you freedom, walk away as fast as you can, because otherwise the habit of your slavery will continue. You've got to get away from the place of your slavery. It goes on to say this. So he says what? He says, tell your kids, you know what? God freed us. This is why we have this celebration. When the kids later on, 20 years later, 30 years later, the kids are, mom, dad, why are we eating bread that's not cooked? Let me tell you why, sweetie, because this bread represents us leaving town as fast as we can without even cooking the bread because God freed us from our slavery. And they're like, oh, that's what that means. Now, let me tie this directly to the New Testament. Look what it says in Revelation 12. It says, and they overcame the devil. Also the devil is known as the accuser, the accuser of the brethren, the accuser who points us, his finger at us and says, you're a sinner. You're wrong. You're immoral. You should have shame and you should have guilt, right? And that's what keeps us going back and sinning is that shame we have. We say, I'm such a bad person. I might as well do it again. And it keeps us in this sinful loop where we do something, we feel horrible. God, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And then guess what? We do it again. Why? We haven't grabbed the unleavened bread and gotten out of town. You got to change your behavior. You got to get away from those things until your mind catches up with your heart. You've been saved here. Your mind has got to be now transformed. More on that next week. But look at the scripture, Revelation 12, 11. And they overcame the devil because of the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. So they remember that Christ saved them. Let me ask you something. All these plagues we just mentioned, all these 10 different plagues, which one of those did man create? None of them. Our salvation is completely in God's hands. All of it. But you know what is in our hands? Next week, we're going to talk about this, the wilderness. Then God begins to give us rules and regulations. And so listen very carefully to this. Christ becoming your Savior is all on Him. Christ becoming your Lord is all on you. So He completely saves us, all on Him. We are transformed in our mind. That's all on us. And so I want to challenge you with this. How, do you be trans how can you be transformed? Because of the blood of the Lamb and what? The word of our testimony. You know you have a testimony. You have a way that you got saved. There's, there's a place, you, maybe you were at camp, maybe you were sitting in a club and you actually knew you, about Jesus, but you never received and you realized this is a mess. I don't want this anymore. I'm gonna give my life to Christ. 
Maybe for you, you were with a friend at work and, and you were breaking down and having a tough moment. And they said, you need Jesus. And you never realized how personal it was and you accepted Christ. I don't know how you accepted Christ, but I'll tell you what, whatever your story is, it's your testimony. And one of the most powerful ways to stay away from your enslavement is by the word of your testimony. The more you share, this is how God changed me, the more you stay away from that stuff. But if you're not sharing it, then guess what happens? If you're not sharing your testimony, that means you're going back to it. So I just wanna challenge you. Have you shared lately with how God has changed you? Or would you be embarrassed to say, oh, God's changed me, and your friends would say, he has? I can't tell. Because you, you say you're free, but you're still doing all the stuff that slaves are doing. You're still in slavery to the world. You're letting yourself be free in your heart, but yet you still continue to do these things that keep you all bound, all tied up. Spetsage is really simple. It's time to walk away. It's time to truly get free. God says, don't make me cause this plague to hang out longer, Pharaoh. Don't be stubborn. Let this time cause you to hit a knee, to recognize the economy is not your God. Your health is not your God. Your connections is not your God. Fill in the blank, whatever it is, it's not your God. There's only one God and he sent his son, Jesus. And if you will let his blood cover you, you will receive the forgiveness of sin and the wrath of God will pass over you. He frees you from your sin. Now it's time to grab that bread and get out of town. Walk away from that lifestyle that's hurting you. It's time to get away. Number four, walk away from your slavery, but never forget what God has brought you out of. You know why we fall back into old sin? We forgot how bad it was. Why do we fall back into wrong relationships? Somehow we forgot the last one and how much it hurt us. Why do we forget? I mean, it, why do we keep going back to the same stupid things again? We forgot the shame we had right after we did that. We forgot how lost we felt, how disconnected we were from God. It's time to remember what he saved you from. David put it this way, Lord, help me to remember the joy of my salvation. Would you pray with me? Every head bowed, every eye closed. And we take a moment right now. It's a hard message, I know. I know I've been up in your grill, but I want to challenge you right now. Maybe your prayer today is to say, Lord, set me free. I know you've forgiven me of my sin, but God, I keep going back to the same stupid stuff. I'm supposed to be different. All these plagues happened, but yet, guess where they didn't happen? They didn't happen in Goshen. That was a place in Egypt where all the Israelites were. So when it was dark, it was dark everywhere, but where the Egyptians, I'm excuse me, where the Israelites were. It was dark everywhere else. And the same way I want to say to you, are you different than the world or do you look exactly like them? Are you doing the same things? But yet you're wondering why you're not experiencing the victory that God has for you as you continue to go back to things that have only hurt you. It's time to be free. Your head bowed and your eyes closed. Pray this prayer with me. You can say, Jesus, I know I've been forgiven by you, but I know I have not been honoring you. And so I want to begin to honor you. I want to walk away from those old slave habits that I keep going back to. I want to walk away. This is your time to be a true disciple of Christ. Don't waste this coronavirus time. Get right with God. Change your habits. Begin to live differently. Begin to walk with the Lord again. Remember who he is in your life. With your head bowed and your eyes closed, if you've never received Christ, you can pray and receive him right now. Pray this prayer with me. You can say this out loud. You can say, dear Jesus, I realize I need you. I believe you died for my sin. And I believe you rose again. I ask you to come into my heart, be my Lord, 
and be my savior. I repent of my sins. I walk away from him. In Jesus' name, amen. Isn't God good? His word is so true.